Terry. Um, from from my standpoint, um, I don't know my parents uh, why they chose not to attend church. They did as children, and then as they when they got married and had uh, the, our family, um, they chose not to go. So I don't know the pain, but I do I do know that the, because they chose not to become a part of a church, that my generation, my brother and myself, missed out. And so whether my journey would have been any different or not, I don't know. But there was a, um, a break, mm-hmm. you know, so. Thanks, Terry. God never said things would be easy. He doesn't make it easy all the time. And it's, a lot of times it's so we will learn something. So we have to accept that there's a reason for things to happen to us. And, and the bad and the good. And, and just trust that God is teaching us to whatever he wants us to learn. Thanks, Elaine. Somebody had their hand up over here? No? Okay, I thought I saw a second hand over there. Oh, Jola. So um, I'm not denying that people don't get hurt in the church because they do. I think that, well, I found in my own personal life, you can't focus on what people do to hurt you. What they, I mean, how they feel towards you, it's, it's their problem. I mean, you might have, you might contribute in some ways, and you just have to focus on how you can help the hurting people. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you don't actually hurt them worse. Mm-hmm. And focus on, on how you can be a light. Take your focus off yourself, and you'll feel better. Thank you, Jola. Anyone else? Megan, right here, Roger. Um, I just wanted to say that I've experienced myself the incredible tenderness of God and his heart for reconciliation and healing, even in places that, um, I don't know, that I didn't even know that I was carrying hurts. Like, I went through stuff when I was a kid, and I didn't even know. And actually, through the Holy Spirit, he guided me on this incredible journey, and I ended up... (laughs) Actually, I was in the Philippines working midwifery, completely unrelated, and we ended up hosting a team of people, and one of them was the leadership from the church that my parents had been involved in, uh, where we'd experienced some hurt. And um, I just felt this incredible heaviness that I hadn't expected when these people arrived, and every time they were outside of the room, I was just weeping, and I wouldn't talk to my parents about it, and it was just kind of a mystery, because I didn't understand that I was what I was carrying. And um, I think the beginning of that path for me was just recognizing that even though I didn't know what it was, that there was a, um, in weakness, the verse that I kept coming back to is like um, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And in the presence of these people, like, I just felt like that's where I was. And I actually, when I... <laughs> felt the conviction to and was brave enough to just confess that to them, that I didn't know any answers to what had happened, but I felt this heaviness and I was just trembling. That was the beginning of a path for healing. And I thought that was it. And then I ended up having a coffee date with this person and that was great. And then I thought that was it. And then a couple of years later, <laughs> there was more. And I ended up being a mediator between two people that had been hurt. And that was very, very heavy. And I ended up getting my mom to go back and read all the things that she had experienced through her journals. Um, and that was a really hard time in my life on my own. But 
there was a lot of ex healing experience even for them because they were able to go back and meet. And the thing that really stuck out to me is in this process of mediation and talking to people and between people, I realized that I would go to one party and I'd go to the others, and there was lots and lots of things that neither party remembered at all. And they said, there's no way that you cannot remember saying that or doing that. And I just remember thinking how profound it is that, the, well, that Satan is really trying to bring that division. And the moment that you stop communication and carry that hurt away, then there's things that just lapse in memory. And so when you went back and said, I totally don't even remember saying that. And if I did, that, that's the most awful thing to say. And I'm so sorry. There was a lot of healing in that. So <laughs> thanks. Thank you, Megan. Reconciliation is hard, right? If reconciliation was easy, Jesus would not have hung on a cross to accomplish it. And just hearing your story, just that, even the fact that you had to come back to it, come back to it. Recon the reconciliation journey is a is a journey, and there, it, it's hard, often very difficult. Um, while I was at school this year, I had to take a class on multiculturalism and diversity, and. Uh, coming in as a potential teacher, um, I had to realize that through this class that there's a lot of barriers that I've built between myself and other people, like just uh, things that you culturally think that, you know, you should stay away from. And it's like, okay, there's this group here and they do this kind of thing, so I'm not going to talk to them because I don't want them to corrupt me. Or, you know, I'm not going to accept these people because what they're doing isn't uh, acceptable through Jesus' teachings. And it was a bit of a wake-up call that there's all of these things in our society that tell us that what we should and shouldn't do that influence the way that we interact with each other. And I just found that I had to let some stuff go. And like, yes, that person doesn't do what I expect them to, but it's really not my place or responsibility to judge them or humble them into realizing what they're doing is wrong. Uh, the best I can do is love and care for them the best idea that I can and help them or just let them figure it out on their own or help God or just let God help them see what they are supposed to be doing. Thanks, Victoria. Uh, Sherry. Um, so uh, on our reserve, there aren't very many Christians. And a lot of them who have, like, some of the faith teachings, it's been brought on by their parents who probably attended um, residential school, et cetera. And my dad was actually one of those people that did go to residential school. And for myself, like, since that wasn't so much part of my upbringing from what he went through, like, um, there's a big age difference between me and my other brothers and sisters. So he kind of got through a place in life where he was... I, I don't want to, maybe it is healthier, healthier mentally and that sort of stuff from what he had gone through. And so it's always been almost a bit of a mystery of what it would be like to have a parent come back after that because um, I didn't have to experience a lot of the aftermath because he had already gone through a lot of process of healing. And, but knowing, knowing how the enemy is and how he can take an experience and make it seem as if it's not very huge or it isn't like going to be a pebble in your shoe and kind of diminish it to the point where you almost dismiss it. Um, I've, with my faith journey, realized like how deep-rooted those situations can be. And it was actually through um, walking with Megan, that's what made me remember this. Um, and she asked me a question like, you know, do you have a heart for your people? And, you know, for the most part, like I'm slowly getting back to finding 
maybe the connections and the balances between my culture and my faith. And like it's only been recent that I've been able to start dancing and not feeling as if I'm betraying God or, you know, going to church and feeling as if I'm betraying my culture. But being able to see that, you know, where where I'm born and the family I'm born into, like it's all it's all been, you know, decided and predetermined by God and there's a purpose and a reason for it. And so when she asked me that question, you know, right away, like the part that's in the Bible where it says that every tongue will confess that I am God and every like, you know, like that's kind of what he he sees. So in my mind, I thought about that and I'm like, well, what would the enemy want to do then? And just seeing how the hurt has happened between like my people and stuff like that, it's it's trying to like, you know, destroy a culture, destroy a language, destroy, you know, different things that are part of our history and part of who we are. And with that, the language part and you know, the more that we lose that, the, the idea of not being able to have, you know, people in heaven singing in our own natural language, yeah. like, I can see how that could be something the enemy would be able to say, yep, that's what I did. You can't say that now. So that's kind of what made me realize how how much that's part of my journey as well. Because yeah. it's not so much overcoming my hurt, but my people's hurt and finding the way that I will be used by God to help reconciliate that relationship. Beautiful. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else like to share? This has been very good. I hope you're encouraged. My strong sense this week as I worked on this is that we needed to share. We needed to hear from each other in this. And, and uh, I think you're probably along with me feeling that, that that's exactly right. Is there anyone else that would like to share today? Okay, that's great. Thank you, Roger. You don't have to go for your afternoon walk anymore. (laughs) The best way to overcome church hurt is to participate in a church that is overcoming hurt through a shared commitment to reconciliation in Jesus. I think you've kind of all heard that. Specifically, that's what you said, Dave. The best way to overcome church hurt is not to withdraw and hide. The best way to overcome church hurt is to engage to participate in a church, in a community that is actually saying, let's overcome hurt. Let's see hurts healed. Let's seek this hard, difficult, often rocky path of reconciliation. Let's pursue it with a passion. And I think that's kind of all that we've said. A lot of what we said today is, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really um, drawing from how do we forgive and how do we seek forgiveness and reconciliation and applying that to, to the church situations we've been part of? But I think, I think this is the key. If we're going to overcome it, and I, I think that's what we've heard today, and I hope that as you've been part of this community and are, are maybe just becoming part of this community, that, that we as a community who are committed to overcoming hurt through healing, who are committed to this reconciliation pathway, that that will be a central part, a significant way that God brings uh, healing to hurt that you've experienced. Um, one of the things that we've done as a, as a community is we've, we've been on a vitality pathway, a congregational renewal thing. And one of the things we've done, uh, this has been hanging out for a while in the, in the um, entryway, and we created a behavioral covenant. Do you guys all got a chance to see this? It's been hanging out there, actually. You've walked right past it if you've come in. So there you go. It's a beautiful piece of art. 
um, I wanted to show it to you so you've seen it now physically so that when you walk out, you're able to, uh, you know, maybe take a, take a closer look at it. This behavioral covenant is, is, is knowing the way that Jesus has called us to live in reconciliation, knowing the way that the Spirit has called us to love one another. We have covenanted together as a church of how we are going to be, the kind of culture that we want to set. This is something we aspire to. It's something that we practice. It's something that we pursue. It's not saying we've got it all. We've nailed it, right? But it's saying this is, this is the picture. This is the vision. This is who we want to be, particularly in those times when there's disagreement. There's offense. There's hurt. There's misunderstanding. Particularly in those times when we're most tempted to just withdraw. When we're most tempted to just walk away. When we're most tempted to believe the worst about someone. And say, man, those guys are, man, she. It's to say, hey, in those places, how are we going to act? What are we going to do? Hurt will happen where relationships are growing. And we as a community, we're committed to growing in relationships. And that just means that there's going to be opportunities for hurt. It's how we have conflict, how we speak to one another, how we treat one another, how we accept one another that really matters. Because here's the deal. I will fail you. You know that, right? I will disappoint you. I am a sinner, and eventually I'm going to sin against you. But guess what? You're a sinner too. You're going to fail me, right? You're going to let me down, and eventually you're going to sin against me. That's what it means for us to be together in this one body, be together in this community. It'll be true at least if we're committed to pursuing life together, if we're committed to pursuing the mission of Jesus together, if we're actually committed to loving one another, getting to know one another, getting in close enough so that love can truly happen, then we have to know how we deal with hurt. How do we deal with that as a community? How do we not just become another church that hurts people? How do we not allow for these kind of things to just happen and no one seems to notice? So that's why we created this behavioral covenant. It's a process that we went through as a community, and if you're new to the community, it's something we did over the last couple of years. And so I brought it out today so that we could together kind of re-examine. And why I did this is because I think in some ways it's, dare I say, the answer to church hurt. What I mean by that is when we think of you know, moving forward from here, we need to process the way that, that we've been hurt. We need to process these things we've talked about today. We need to seek reconciliation and, and try to, you know, give, give forgiveness and receive forgiveness in places in the past. But one of our concerns as a community is moving forward. How do we be the kind of church where it's not just bodies lying in a ditch, right? And, whoa, there goes the church again. There's more shrapnel or more casualties. How do we become a church where it actually, like Val said, is a hospital where people are are receiving healing, where we're not just perpetuating the hurt, but we're rather bringing healing. Well, I think it comes when we covenant together in how we want to live, who we want to be. And so what we want to do today is kind of lead us through this behavioral covenant. Brad and Stephanie are going to come and read the scriptures that are associated with each of these um, statements together. They're going to read the scripture for us. And then what I'm going to ask, and I'll I'll guide us through this. What I'm going to ask is, after they've read the scriptures, that we together read the statement, the the header that goes with the scriptures. We'll we'll start together by reading. There's a little bit of a preamble um, to this. And it's the next slide, Jack. 
This is a little bit of a preamble. I'm going to ask that we read this part together, um, starting with at. We'll read it together, and then we'll go immediately to the next number one, and uh, Stephanie will read number one, and then together we'll read the heading. Okay, it'll all make sense. But as we do this, I want you to imagine the difference that this kind of practice would make. That, that if we were saying, this is how we live. This is how we act, particularly in times of struggle. But this is, this is the kind of culture that we're setting. I want you to begin to imagine the difference it would make in your life and maybe would have made in, in your past. So let's start together by reading. At the Erickson Covenant Church, we recognize that our story is about relationship with Christ, our world, and each other. The journey together is exciting and challenging, providing opportunities along the way. And just a note, uh, this is actually on the back of your programs. So you can also, if you're having trouble seeing the screen, feel free to read it on there. On the. So in light of this, we commit to, and we're going to listen to the, the verse read first, and then we'll, we'll read it together. Go ahead, Steph. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given the glory. So let's read together. Fully accept each other as Christ has accepted us. That's kind of foundational, right? It's kind of where it all starts. It's, it's, what, it's what Dwayne said. It's what you all have said. That really, when we approach each other, we recognize this person has been accepted by God. And who am I to exclude them? Or, and and we, we, we accept one another on the basis of what Christ has done for us. Next one. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and ad- admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Philippians 4.8 So let's not stop condemning each other. Let's stop condemning each other, sorry. <laughs> Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble, stumble and fall. Romans 14.13 Alright, so the next statement is that we intentionally believe the best in each other. Sometimes that is really hard work, especially when we've been hurt. It's so easy to assume the worst, right? They did this because. Well, this says, look, I'm going to make that choice, that active choice to believe the best in each other. Next one. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. James 1.19. And so together we listen wholeheartedly and patiently. We grappled with that one for a long time, the various groups that worked on this behavioral covenant. What we recognize is that in so many situations, in our own lives, in our families, in our marriages, if we just applied this, if we sought first to understand and then be understood, if we listened wholeheartedly before we began to argue our case, so many things would be solved, right? So this is, again, one of the practices that we want to have. Next one. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Ephesians 4:15, 25-27. Excellent. And together we say, communicate with clarity, compassion, and truth. So much sometimes when things get really ugly, whether it's in our own lives, whether it's in churches, um, people communicate all right. But it isn't always with clarity. It certainly isn't always with compassion. 
and uh, even with truth. And so we make that as a commitment. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Ephesians 4.29 And together, use words that honor each other and build each other up. Next one. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Colossians 3.13 Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32 Together, forgive each other and ourselves, understanding and accepting our capacity to make mistakes. Next one. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3.12 Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Philippians 2, 3-8. Thank you. That was the last one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you just to imagine, you can look at the back of your bulletins. I want you to imagine the difference that this makes in a community that's committed to practicing this, okay? Now, this, I just want to say, this would make a huge difference in your family life too, okay? I, I think I can say with pro-confidence that this would make a huge difference in your marriage. Would you agree? Huge difference. This would make a huge difference in, in the way that you w- work with certain colleagues. So this is, this is good. It's straight from the Bible. We've kind of tried to capture it together into succinct statements to remind us that this is the kind of culture we want to have. This is the kind of people that Jesus has shaped us to be. That when the Spirit of God comes in and begins to shape individuals, begins to shape a community, that this is how we live as a result. What kind of difference would it have made in the church community you grew up in? Maybe you've had that kind of ugly church experience where there was difficulty, there was factions, there was, there was dissenting, there was, there was relationships destroyed and disrepute to the name of Jesus and, and, and total diminishing of Christ's mission because, because somehow people weren't communicating with clarity and compassion. They weren't believing the best in one another. They weren't speaking the truth in love. They weren't living the way that Christ has called us to live. What kind of difference would it have made in your life, in the life of your family? Well, we want to be the kind of church that's living this out. We want to be the kind of community that says, look, we know that, we know that hurt's inevitable. Like, it is. We, we know that there's going to be a mess because we're sinful and we're confused and we make mistakes. We know that's true. And so, in order to somehow preempt that, in order to somehow, in the clear light of day, say, look, knowing that hurt is inevitable... Knowing that I will fail you, knowing that you will fail me, let's figure out together, because we love each other, let's figure out together how we can move forward to be a church that isn't wallowing in hurt, isn't damaging lives, isn't, isn't pushing people away, but rather a church that's saying, look, hurt exists, but we want to be a church that's overcoming hurt through healing 
and through reconciliation. That's the kind of community we want to be. That's the kind of community we want to build. It's the kind of community that we all want to be part of. And you know what? It's the kind of community that others want to be part of too. Do you know that? The men and the women, the children, the families of this valley are looking for a kind of community that says, you're accepted. The kind of community that says, I believe the best. The kind of community that says, you're forgiven. The kind of community that says, you're welcome. It doesn't matter how much you limp. It doesn't matter what body parts are missing. It doesn't matter who you are. You're welcome here. We love you. Jesus loves you. This makes all the difference. That's the kind of community that people are longing for, you know. It's the kind of community that Christ is shaping us into. And it's the kind of community that he's drawing others into. Don't you want to be part of a community like that? I think it's happening here. I do. I've got a long ways to go. But I think it's beginning to happen. I think it's what God wants us to build. And so where do we go with that as a community? Like, what, what do we do about that? I think we, we pursue this, but, you know, it comes right down even now. Some of us are sitting here and we think, yeah, you know what? There's the seed of a hurt. Or there's a little bit of an offense. Or there's, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding here that I need to go and I need to clear up. Or maybe, maybe I've just began to not so much intentionally believe the best about that person. And I need to, I need to get in close. I need, to, I need to find out more about their story. I, I need to do something. I need to act and put this into practice. It can start right here, right now. But even beyond the potential for hurt or offense, it also suggests that as a community, we just need to get in closer. That we, we can't just be content with coming and sitting on a uncomfortable wooden bench. Amen. <laughs> Amen to the uncomfortable part, right? Yeah. Uh, it, 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 we can't be content with that, that we don't just come to hear a few things, feel good, check the box and leave, but rather that we as a community, we want to be the kind of community that's growing this way. Not just so we can deal with hurt, but so that we can be the kind of healing, reconciling community that we need and the world needs. That's what God is calling us into. That's what he's creating here. And, and, and there'll be bumps along the way. You know, this, I, I love in here it says, it says the journey together is exciting, challenging, providing opportunities along the way. You know, some of those opportunities aren't all fun, you understand. We like the word opportunity. <laughs> but some of those opportunities are opportunities for growth. Opportunities for um, repentance. <laughs> opportunities for learning. Some of those are awfully painful, but there's other opportunities too. Opportunities to become who God has created to be. Opportunities to heal. Opportunities to, to know that God loves me. God loves my culture. God loves my language. God, God, God has created me to worship Him. And together we can be the people that God has created us to be. That's our hope. That's our desire. That's what we're pursuing together as a community. I'm glad you're part of it. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you love the church and that you have created us as your people to be with you, to be filled by your spirit, to be pursuing your mission in the world. Lord, we know that as your community down through the centuries, throughout the world, that we're not perfect and that you have chosen to dwell in us and often we're, we're messed up. It doesn't change the reality that you're present. It doesn't change the reality that you're, you're at work and Jesus, we want to be responsive to you and know that we need you to heal, we need you to challenge, we need you to correct. We need you to move us. We need you to lead us into this um, life that you've created us to live, to be the community that heals instead of hurts. And so Jesus, as Erickson Covenant Church, that's who we want to be. 
we commit ourselves to you in that. Each one of us, we recognize that there's lots of opportunities for hurt. But we also want to see those opportunities or those realities of hurt overcome through the healing and restoration of you, Jesus. So as a community, we ask that, that this would be true of us. That we would be a community where it's not just another statistic, that church hurt me, but rather a place where that church, I found in that church acceptance. In that church, my wounds were bound up. In that church, I, I finally began to discover how valued, how precious I am. And in that church, I was accepted for who I was. Jesus, I pray that that would be true among us. So that your name is glorified, so that people come to know you, so that freedom reigns. We pray this in your name. Amen.